You are listening to the Revolutionary Force in Professional Wrestling Podcast for over 20 years. Reviews, interviews, shoots, news, and opinions like no other. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Ring Scoops. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? You are listening to the Ring Scoops Podcast. I am the webmaster, Wade Needham. Joined with the controversial and comparable, one and only, master of disaster, too sweet to be sour, Mac of all. What's up, Mac? <laughs> What's up? Happy belated birthday, buddy. Thank you, sir. Thank uh, you. Yeah. And thank everyone at Ring Scoops for wishing me a happy birthday. You guys have had a lot of birthdays in the month of, of uh, October. Every time it seemed like every few days is was a happy birthday wish. Yeah. On the official uh, Ring Scoops uh, Twitter account. And you know that reminds me. I I I totally almost almost forgot, but thankfully the day's not over yet. I got to wish Blade a happy birthday. Cuz he always tells me I forget his birthday every year. So Blade, happy birthday. Hope you having a good one. Turns 50. He turned 50 today. Oh wow. Yeah. He's almost there. Five almost, more years, uh, and he can get a nickel coffee. Yeah, and an and AARP membership. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Hey, you know what that means? Every time we hang out in Vegas, we get a discount on a rental car in five years then with him. That'd be awesome. And Yeah, and sometimes they have a, a senior discount as well, too. Yep, yep, yep. The snowbird discount. <laughs> You know what my all-time favorite discount is, though? Hmm. Is back when we were younger, we used to have to pay 50 bucks for a pay-per-view, but it seems like nowadays we only get them for $10. Yeah. Um, my favorite discount has not, actually nothing to do with wrestling. There used to be this thing. I used to be the biggest blockbuster video mark in the world. Oh, wow. I love blockbuster video. And they used to have this commercial in, um, it was a Taco Bell commercial because I guess back in the day, at least where I lived at, but I guess it was like that in, in, in the country. But a lot of Taco Bells were not that far from blockbuster videos. So it had a uh, Taco Bell commercial and a guy was singing and I don't remember uh, the actual deal, but I just remember he would say, make it a blockbuster night and a border night too. <laughs> and I remember it was like, you would get like a meal. It was like, you get a medium drink and a free blockbuster meal. <laughs> So you would get you would get like the the Taco Bell meal and then the voucher to get the blockbuster video. This was the so 90s, like, right? <laughs> this was the 90s. Like yeah. people don't understand people don't understand how great blockbuster video was. I like don't think this people is understand not... how great the 90s were. <laughs> well, I mean, they keep bringing stuff back from the 90s. You should actually you when you when you have all these reboots and remakes from stuff in the 90s, I think that's kind of a telltale sign. Yeah. Like, I don't think anybody was looking for a Mad About You reboot 
but it happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or uh, uh, was that Murphy Brown? That came back for a while, didn't it? Yeah, but it happened. It did, yeah. Will, Will and Grace, I mean, maybe, you know, I know Will and Grace was kind of big, and I know they're working on a Friends movie or something like that, but it's like everything from the 90s, even even like the television shows that I watched when I was a kid, like Boy Meets World came back and it was Girl Meets World. Yep. Uh, they have a show that used to call, be called That's So Raven. Oh, yeah, I remember on that. On Disney Channel, they brought it back in this Raven's house. Brought back full house and it's fuller house, but you know they canceled it again. I don't, I don't know how many seasons they had. But they had like five they seasons. They had a good run. Yeah, they brought it back, and then they, you know, so Saved by the Bell's coming just, back too. Yeah, I heard about that. That's coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, just like everything, they, you know, they try to bring back the Baywatch movie years ago. That that didn't do good at all. Yeah, you know, I want to see Living Single come back. That was one of my favorite shows. I remember you told me that, and a lot of people who are in the black audience are probably like, "What?" Yeah, but yeah, <laughs> so that's, that's the reason why I hate I I hate that show Friends because that was just a blatant rip off of it. And if you compare the two pilots, they're identical. And Living Single came out about a year or two before that. Living Single was a very good show. Um, that block of having uh, Mark like Fox used to run it, man. He would. I mean, you hadn't. 90210 and then Melrose Place on the same night. Then you had, uh, you know, Martin and freaking uh, Living Single on the same night. And Rock. Then don't you had Rock, man. Don't put, yeah, I'm sorry. Rock started that, started it at, the, I think that was the first show of the evening. And then it would go on. Then you had um, uh, Married with Children. Oh, yeah. Huge show, Tales from the Crypt. Dude, I missed that show so much. It, it was funny because I think those were like reruns from the eighties from HBO, and they were edited for you know TV. Yeah, Tales. I used to scare the crap out of me. Tales from the Crypt. Yeah, same uh, when here. I was a kid. Um, I'm trying to think what else they had at the during the nineties. Like they had the. The whole block of like the cartoons now. I know you're not a big cartoon watcher, but they have all of these cartoons that are so good. Like they actually remastered them. And a lot of like they had Batman the animated series, which is for comic book enthusiasts, that is like the all time greatest representation of Batman. To the point that the voice of that Batman in that animated series is the voice of the Batman in all of the video games that come out now. Yeah. And they remastered it and they put it out as a 4K quality on DVD, the full animated series. They had uh, Spider-Man, the animated series, X-Men, like all of these, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like Fox was killing it. And living color, man. Killing it. In living color, yes. They went on a hell of a run. Mm-hmm. Even Mad TV was good. Yeah, man, yeah, the early years of Mad TV. Yeah, yeah, they were killing it, man. I always loved it on, on In Living Color when they would have Mike Tyson on Love Connection. They, uh, they had so many classic skits. Like it, it's, um, I'm trying and, to think of what Jim I, Carrey, I like the, we're still Jim missing. Carrey was the token white guy. 
Yeah, but who would have? What was funny is like his his name on the show was not Jim Jim Carrey, it was James Carrey. Yeah. A lot of people don't remember that. Yeah, and he just was he just created himself as a star on that show. So many stars from that show. Uh, Jennifer Lopez. There was so much stars on there that Jennifer Lopez was just a fly girl. Yeah. And you see where she's at now in the world. But the 90s was like you had to you had to see. And then like entertainers, man, like you would have an award show where it would have Celine Dion, uh, Whitney Houston, Elton John, uh Green Day, you know, Smashing Pumpkins, Michael Jackson, all on the same award show. And you're lucky now if you get a star on these award shows that come on. It used to be like the Grammys were like a huge event because you see all of the star power under one and the every category would just be so competitive from rap to rock, to R&B, everything was competitive because you had so many stars back then. And shocking so, moments. Remember when everybody lost their mind when Eminem and Elton John were on stage together? Yeah, yeah. yeah. They had a lot of... Well, that Was that in the 90s, though? No, that wasn't the 90s. I think it was like... That was 2002 or 2003. But... Yeah, that was like... Yeah, early 2000s, which, you know, it still kind of has some residue of, of star power because I think Eminem came out in 99, I think. Yeah, 98, 99. Yeah, so... That whole 10-year run from 90 to 99. Whew, or 9-year run. Yeah. Great Amazing. stuff. Amazing. <laughs> but this is a wrestling show. Well, you know what, though? <laughs> Let's tie this in because I think wrestling's the same way. We don't... Like, back in the 90s, in the 80s and the 90s, we had superstars. Today, we got stars and maybe one or two borderline superstars. Like John Cena is like the last superstar. Like Roman Reigns is almost there. Yeah, he's on his way, but yeah. he's not. Yeah. I think this run he's on right now might bring him that. Yeah, we had an interesting conversation, which actually sparked us to want to do this show. The conversation we had was talking about where John Cena is in the pantheon of time when it comes to him being a star or a superstar, I should say, because I think there is a difference. I think there is a star and I think there is a superstar. Yeah. Um, I think that John Cena is not quite a superstar yet. And the reason why I say that is because a superstar, let's just kind of set the rules for this. A superstar is a is the rock. He's a superstar. Yeah. Wherever he goes, people know who he is. I can't say the same thing for John Cena at this point. Can't say that. I think he's on his way, but he's nowhere near the level of The Rock in terms of superstardom. Especially like until the new Fast comes out, which John right. Cena is going to be in that now. Right, playing a big part, playing Vin Diesel's brother, which is a very big part. Yeah. Not just some random villain. That trailer um, looked amazing for it, too. Yeah. So, he's a, you know, 
but The Rock is a superstar. You know, like he is going to be Black Adam for DC Comics. The Scorpion and, King has got a tiny ding-a-ling. And to put that, <laughs> and to put that into the equation, like John Cena is going to be a actor in the ensemble cast of Suicide Squad Two. Mm. He's going to be one of the characters that's a part of the Suicide Squad. Nice, but he's not the person that is carrying a franchise for like The Rock. Yeah. They used to call him Franchise Viagra. <laughs> like I swear to God, you can look it up. They used to call him that yeah. because he would come. He would come in and revive franchises that were dead. Um, it started with um, Journey to the Center of the Earth. Um, it was originally starring. Uh, Brandon Frazier, which I don't know what happened to Brandon Frazier. It's like everyone in Hollywood just said, you know what, screw this guy. I love Brandon Frazier's work. Oh, same here. I think he's just, you know, enjoying the money that he made. Well, he was supposed to be, and dude, Encino Man, come on. <laughs> Talk about the 90s. Yeah. Encino Man with Brandon Frazier and Pauly Shore. Mm-hmm. Come on, guys. If you haven't seen Encino Man, come on, man. Who are you? I feel like Joey Diaz. <laughs> <laughs> if you haven't seen it, give me a break. I'm not going to cuss on the show, but give me a break. Yeah. yeah. The bidets yeah, are but... back, bitches. I apologize for the helicopter in the background. The one day of the fucking year that I open my window, the helicopter comes by. Yeah, but it's, but it's seen on man. Yeah, but anyway... um. Yeah, he was in the journey to he was in journey two, they called it. Mm-hmm. And they didn't know how it was going to do because he replaced Brandon Frazier and the first one was so good. And it starred um the uh kid that was in the Hunger Games, Peter in the Hunger Games, um, the co star of the Hunger Games. Uh, the guy. I don't I don't know if you ever watched the Hunger Games nah, trilogy. Never seen him. Yeah, but um Anyway, that that kid, he he was on a pretty hot roll there for a minute, but he replaced it, and then like the movie, I think, did better than the first one because mm-hmm. The Rock was in it, and then he did um, GI Joe, and I remember the GI Joe trailer originally came out, um, it was getting ready to release, and they were like, "Yo, this is not good," and they delayed it, I think, almost a year because of the audience reviews and when they delayed it, then they came back out again and the rock was starting. They had the rock and Bruce Willis in it. GI Joe and, 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 and the GI Joe reboot. And it did really, it did really, really good. And there's another one I'm forgetting, but anyway, Jumanji. back to the Jumanji. Yeah. He, he, I didn't see the second one yet. Of the second new one yet, I haven't seen. But you know how hard it always is for a sequel to like live up to like the original, right? But like these were two of the movies that came out were continuations from the '90s, and I thought they both lived up to their their potential. I, I, in my honest opinion, I thought they're both well worth the watch. 
I think there's nothing like the original first Jumanji because of what they did in the movie, the cast in the movie, the set in the movie. Like, they didn't, like, CGI what? No. We had a real lion. We really tore the house up and had a real flood. Like, it was David Allen Greer played a fantastic part. Like now, Un- mind you, there such was... an underrated actor, dude. Oh my god! Um, oh, very man. underrated. I mean, and then of course the the great Robin Williams. You know what? I'm 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 gonna stop because I'm just talking about like I got <laughs> I got hyped up like <laughs> I'm hyped about the '90s, <laughs> and it's like I'm just remembering all of these great movies. But back to what the the original point was. The original point is that I don't think John Cena's at that superstar level. And to equate this back to wrestling, if you look at his body of work as a wrestler, he has an amazing body of work. But does he have the career-defining moment that make you go, oh, I remember that, and then you're instantly transported to when it happened? I think we narrowed it down to the ruthless aggression moment. Mm -hmm. But is there any moments that you think of that would make John Cena uh, relevant, I guess you can say, in, in the superstar uh, argument. Um, I think uh, you know some people that I talk to when we talk about John Cena, one thing that always kind of gets brought up is um, what he did with Kevin Federline. That was always a, a memorable moment. Um, but see if. If Kevin Federline was a big deal now, yeah, then yes. But he's not a big deal. No, but so, I mean, as far as you know, like what comes to mind when you bring up John Cena, uh, I've had a lot of people mention that like it's one of the first things that comes to their mind. So I would say right. that that would be considered a memorable moment. Um, but like when we were talking earlier in the week, I think that John Cena's career isn't necessarily about like the individual moments, but it's more about the people that he worked with and how they were elevated. Uh, like an edge, uh, it's like CM Punk. You brought up CM Punk. I brought up edge. Um, you know, getting AJ styles, even though he, we all know that AJ can bring it. Uh, we know, you know, AJ, he kind of floundered a little bit when he first came into the WWE, those first, you know, four or five months when he started working with Cena, that's when he started to really get over. And by the time Royal Rumble 2017 happened and they had that tremendous match, it was almost like John Cena was letting the company and the audience know that AJ is the real deal. He's a main event guy. Here you go. And I think that's the legacy of John Cena is that with certain talent, not everybody's worked with. And I don't think it should have been with everybody you work with. You, you cream rises to the top. John Cena's legacy is getting those people into the main event and solidifying them. Yeah, he did a. Um, he even did a job, I guess you could say, uh, for Bray Wyatt on his way out. Um, yeah, I think if WrestleMania was in a live crowd setting. Uh, then he would have did the job one, two, three easily in the ring for him, no problem. But I think the WWE and him, and they just decided at the time, look, 
you know, I have movies coming up. I got all these obligations. If there's no crowd, why am I wrestling? Why am I possibly injuring myself for nothing in terms of it being a crowd in front of everybody? So why don't we do something that's going to be entertaining, make it a cinematic match? It worked out. It worked out uh, as one of the, you know, most unique things that ever happened. And it introduced the concept of the three faces of Wyatt. Because we saw the, you know, the Wyatt family version of Bray Wyatt for the first time at that WrestleMania since he came back as Bray Wyatt, Mr. Rogers, and The Fiend. Yeah. So, um, John Cena has done a lot to elevate and to try to extend the company. But at the same time, we cannot rule out this whole super scene. There's a lot of times where I feel like he could have did the job for some, and he didn't, and he did not. And um, why? Why do you think? Why do you think guys do that? Because I'm, I'm kind of, I hate to say this because Drew McIntyre is on his first run, but I'm kind of getting that vibe from Drew McIntyre right now, as we slowly inch towards the Hell in the Cell uh, <laughs> prediction. But I'm kind of getting that vibe from Drew McIntyre that I think that he's going to have to lose this belt coming up pretty soon because I think his act, unfortunately, has gotten stale. Say that. Yeah, um, I agree with you on that. Um, I think he's had a great run. I think he's one of the very few that has had a good first title run. Because you and I have talked about it several times. You've brought it up a lot. It's well documented on the show here that a lot of first title runs, you know, they, they fall flat. And the second one is like the, the one to watch. I I think Drew has been lucky enough, considering everything that's been going on, that his first title run has been, I would say it's been a major success. I, I think it's been really good. Um, it's getting into that area now that we need to do something fresh at least until right. WrestleMania next year. And on the last podcast I had brought up, and I want to get your thoughts on this too, I brought up uh, mm-hmm. an idea, a scenario, that if mm-hmm. Orton gets the belt and Drew kind of you know leaves for a little bit, a little TV time off, but comes back, they groom him up for the Rumble win, and he goes on to WrestleMania again, the rumor is that WrestleMania this coming year will not be in LA because everything going on in California or California as I like to call it and everything in Florida is opened up. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) I try not to get political, but fucking a, I hate California. I want out of this fucking piece of shit state. You uh, sound like uh, Joey Diaz and Joe Rogan (laughs) and like a a, a plethora of other comedians that left California, but go ahead. We won't get into that, but go ahead. Yeah, you know, I, you know, I press the fucking button, you know, and the fucking California water goes up the fucking muffler, you know? Um, <laughs> no, but, uh, you know, there's there's a rumor because Florida's opened up again, and it may still be open by the time WrestleMania comes around, and they're thinking about doing WrestleMania like a reset button in Tampa. And if they were to do that, I think it'd be great. Take the title off of Drew right now before it gets too late. And then get him the Rumble win again and have him go on to WrestleMania and get his big moment in front of a crowd. Well, I disagree. That's why I disagree. I think that 
you know, the one thing that no one's been talking about is a man by the name of Edge. And Edge has never gotten his proper due outside of the whole Royal Rumble situation. Um, in terms of performing in, in front of a live crowd. So I think that it would make more money if you had Edge and Orton for the title. I think that would be it would be interesting um, if they, you know, even this upcoming pay-per-view. I mean, I don't know how long the injury is supposed to take. Was it five or six months on the shelf or something like that? Yeah, I think it was, uh, I, I think it might have been a little longer than that. I think it said about eight months. Yeah, I, I think it would be interesting to, you know, to see that. Um, but, you know, I don't. I don't know. I, 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 I'm just not a fan of this. Whatever character this Drew McIntyre is, I just am not a fan of it. Um, we have to establish. See, when you're creating a character, you have to establish what the character will and won't do. I remember a, a story that Chris Jericho had told when they were. It was a tag team match, and it was the Dudleys who had just came in and Jericho, and they were working against The Rock, and I forgot who else was team. And they were putting the match together, and, um, you know, Bubba Ray was like, well, I think, you know, we should do this or, or that or blah, blah, blah. So The Rock would say, yep, nope, The Rock wouldn't do that. Rock doesn't do that. And Bubba Ray said, okay, let me change. Nope, Rock won't do that. So... The way it's coming off is coming off like, yo, this dude's a prick. Like, The Rock won't do that. Like, who? Are you believing your own hype or what? But Jericho explained to them afterwards, no, he's not referring to himself. He's referring to his character. So when he's booking, when we're booking this match and, 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 and the spots in it, he's talking about the character of The Rock wouldn't do that. Mm hmm. Not and it came off kind of in a different way because the Rock was all sweaty and and you know how he gets ready for matches, bouncing up and down. And just imagine you're out of breath a little bit. And he's like, "Nope, Rock won't do that." And you're bouncing up and down and stuff like that. And they're looking at him like, "Yo, what is the matter with dude?" I can see where it'd get confusing because you know he always does promos in third person anyway, too. Right, exactly. Yeah, but that's what you have to establish with Drew McIntyre. Like, what is it that Drew McIntyre will? or will not do. What is that? Will Drew McIntyre, will he put himself in a position where he's hot-headed all the time? Because from my experience of how they book champions, when you have a hot-headed face champion, it never gets over. The last hot-headed face champion that we had was uh, Dean Ambrose. <laughs> and it didn't get over. It didn't get over. Yeah. Whereas, like, I'll fight anybody anytime, and and it, it just never gets over. It's a very tricky and slippery slope to be a face champion. The pooper scoop. Because it's, it's really hard. It's really hard to be a face champion. So it's unfortunate that Drew McIntyre is such a better heel than he is a face. But he's in this face role, and he's still trying to figure out, like, what am I supposed to do in this role? 
So that's what's confusing. Orton knows his character inside and out. He knows it. He knows how his character is as a face. He knows how his character is as a heel. So when you see Orton make that transition from a face or heel, it's not that big of a change because he knows his character, Randy Orton. Yeah. Drew Drew McIntyre doesn't know that yet. So you got to kind of put him in a program. I think if you put him in a one-on-one program against The Fiend, then that would really, you know, do things to, you know, help explore and advance his character because they say, quote-unquote, when you face The Fiend, you get chained. So I don't know, but I guess we can parlay that into the Hell in the Cell prediction. Yeah, let's uh, let's jump into that. I mean, we've only got four matches on the card. Three of them Which are Hell in a Cell matches themselves. Mm-hmm. You think they're going to add more matches by SmackDown? Because I mean, we're recording this before SmackDown airs. Um, yeah, I, I would I would think that they're going to add um at least two more matches. Yeah, I'd hope so. Well, all right, well let's let's uh, let's run down the card then. Um, Start with the first match. Uh, Jeff Hardy versus Elias. But I got to say this before we actually talk about the match. Mm-hmm. That concert that Elias had on Raw this week. Uh, dude, I was I was entertained thoroughly. That was that was awesome. That was some good shit. Yeah, I like that we're not teasing that he can sing and perform. But he's actually singing and performing. That's the difference between him say the honky tonk man Jeff Jarrett <laughs> Jeff Jarrett he can actually do it yeah so um i just think they need like some i think it would be better suited if he had a gimmick of he's one of these you know how the miz had his a lister gimmick yeah where it's like if you had Elias acting more like that where he's just like give him a good manager and it's like they try to interview him. No, 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 no. Uh, Elias is not taking interviews right now. If you want to be put on the media list, just let me know, and then we'll see what we can do to put you on the media list. But he's not taking any interviews right now, and just have him be that type of a, a of a heel. Uh, I think that would be better suited. But I, I like that they had him singing. But um, if I were to give a prediction, Elias just came back, so. It'd be very stupid for him to job on his first like official match back. So I'm gonna give it to Elias. I'm gonna give it to Elias too for that reason and another one as well. I'll add on top of that, Jeff Hardy is one of those rare cats that you, this dude can lose for six months in a row, but once he gets started on a win streak, it's almost like those winning or the, the losing streak for six months never happened. He could jump back like at a snap of a finger because he's just that great of a talent. So he's not gonna hurt. Taking taking the loss to Elias in this one. Well, I mean, just to jump off track here, just for a quick second. Yeah. How do you feel about basically all of the SmackDown roster going to Raw and all of the Raw roster basically going to SmackDown in a way? Well, it's funny. It's it. it I think it's more clear this time around that it's that they did that, and I think people have noticed it, and a lot of people are more vocal about it. But that's just something I've been saying for the last couple, you know, years in the draft. Even back in the original brand split, I said similar things. They made too many switches 
that it just didn't make any difference because you got the same people on the same show. If they would just like change maybe two main event people, three mid card people, you know, two or three women, and maybe swap a tag team or two, I think that's enough right there to to last, you know, a difference of a year. And then a year later, you know, you make those same kind of changes. But they just, you know, it's just too many. And especially when you know Raw's three hours, so they get like yeah. the extra pick kind of thing too. So it yeah. just hampers everything, and then they do the supplemental shit afterwards. Yeah, which I you know I don't I'm not a fan of that, and I'm also not a fan of them not including NXT. You know, NXT won Survivor Series last year, and basically showing themselves as the most dominant brand amongst all the brands. But for whatever reason, they're not in the brand lottery <laughs> every single year they have it. I don't get that. Even if they had two picks, I think that would definitely be well-suited to make NXT uh, a must-see program. If you just had, like, uh, you know, one of the female talents and, you know, uh, a superstar that or a mid-card guy. Like, just, let's say, for example, um, Dolph Ziggler was drafted to NXT as well as, I don't know, um, I'm trying to think of a female talent. Natalia. That would be interesting. You have Dolph Ziggler who can, you know, he's an incredible worker. You have Dolph Ziggler come into the show and you put him in a program immediately against Finn Balor, they're going to give you some amazing matches. Oh, yeah, for sure. They're going to give you some amazing matches. You know who I think would be great in NXT is if they put John Morrison on NXT. Yeah, like if they had just a couple of guys, you know, uh, that would make it interesting because you don't know who's going to go to NXT or not. Can you imagine Lana in NXT? I think Lana on NXT would work. I really do. I think that... The women's division, and there's no disrespect to the women that are there doing the best they can. But, you know, a lot of these women cannot speak on, you know, they don't they don't have the skills for, you know, mic work. Like, no disrespect, but like Candice LeRae, I mean, she has a fantastic gimmick, fantastic look since she's turned into a heel. But she doesn't cut the greatest promos. Oh, I'm with you on that one. So if you had someone that could kind of push her like Alana who's the opposite, who can cut an incredible promo, but not necessarily work that well in the ring, and you have her pushed by one of these talents there and develop her and polish her and bring her, you know, to where she needs to be. Even a Carmella, but Carmella, all that, you know, build up they gave her on SmackDown and you debut her on NXT, like, that would have been an interesting concept, but um, I know we went off track here, but yeah, I, I just had to say that I, I don't, I'm not really a big fan of not really a huge fan of just switching you know the Rey Mysterio and Seth Rollins and Murphy's over there too right I believe so yeah like just switching everything to Smackdown like I don't Alexander Black and, and, and Kevin Owens switching all that to Smackdown like that doesn't make any and I don't like frequent switches too because last year going into like the draft Remember, AJ was on Raw, then he moved over to SmackDown, and then by the end of the year, I believe he was back on Raw, did the program with The Undertaker, 
Then the whole thing with Paul Heyman happened. AJ went back to SmackDown, and now the draft happens, and now he's back on Raw again. He's back on Raw. And that's, yeah, that's one very, year. That's very true. That's very true. And then they stuck him with the, you know, the bouncer. <laughs> he's got his from, own diesel. <laughs> yeah, which I was just completely disappointed. I Listen, if something, you can't just throw something out there, get us used to it, and then say forget it. I think Raw Underground was a very good concept when it started, but there was no direction. And if you would have made it, you know, where it's a legitimate title or, you know, something, I think they had definitely a place to showcase these lower card guys or guys that they wanted to push in, um, like Arturo Ruiz and... Dabo Cato and all that. Like, when you have those guys that, you know, they're going to make noise eventually, you know, that would have been a good, you know, place for that. Like, they really push Dabo Cato and Braun Strowman for Raw Underground. And I was looking forward to that match. And when they had it, I was like, oh, okay. I was kind of disappointed how it ended. I think it booked a little better. But. That was on that raw. That was the one thing I was looking forward to. That was the one thing I was looking forward to. But I don't. I don't know. I don't know what what they're doing. I think Shane is definitely somebody that you should have on TV as well too. But yeah, just not in the capacity that they had him when he was feuding with the Miz though, because that was just completely overkill. Yeah, just have him as a manager. Have him as a manager. That's all you have to do. Yeah, have him as a manager. That's it. That's all you gotta do. I'm with you on that. Totally with you on that. I I, I did enjoy majority of the raw underground stuff. I'm with you on that one. But uh, going back to the predictions here, um, let's see. I don't know. I I think the next match we should probably talk about, but since we already kind of talked a little bit about these two guys, um, the Hell in a Cell match, Randy Orton challenging Drew McIntyre for the WWE Championship. I mean, we kind of already talked a little bit about both of these guys a little bit. Um, we've continued yeah. the last couple of weeks to talk about their program with each other too. So it's kind of, I, I don't know. I'm just going to throw my prediction out there. I think Randy Orton's going to get it. Yeah, the you know they do the odds, and they're saying that the odds right now is that McIntyre retains, and if McIntyre retains. All the momentum that we built with Edge and Orton means nothing. Means absolutely nothing. Do you do, do, how quick we are to forget that Edge and Orton had the quote unquote greatest wrestling match ever, which was a fantastic. What was it, like an hour, wasn't it? That match. Yeah, it was pretty long. It was it was really it was, good. It was paced out very well too. It was very very good match. Very good match. Very, they had Howard Finkel, the voice of the Fink, doing like the the announcement and the Madison Square Garden, you know, microphone dropping down from the ceiling. Like they did whatever they could to make you feel like it was a, a you know a big time match, and it was. And Orton wins it, and he was doing he was on a roll with Flair. He was took out the Big Show, took out Christian, took out Shawn Michaels, and then. Again, we were given Bruce Pritchard props 
And like we said, once all of the Paul Heyman built-in storylines faded, and now we're in the era where he has to make stuff from scratch, we get retribution. We get, you know, uh, this whole thing with Braun Strowman being crazy for a second, but now he's sane again. Um, we get... I'm completely over the whole Braun Strowman thing, to be honest. I, I, I just... There's nothing they can do right now that's going to get me invested in that guy. They ruined him. Yeah. They ruined him. And it's funny because we said the same thing three years ago when uh, Brock went over on him. And they had a good chance. They built him back up, but then they just dropped it again. I don't know why he's coming out like he's a part of a military group. (laughs) The Truth Commission. Right. He has his own shirts. They were real. I really liked the whole Strowman Express thing that they were trying to get over. They changed his entrance, all of that. I love his music. I love the um, I love his whole look. And then now you have him feuding against Keith Lee. You do basically the same spot that ran. Uh, that Randy. I'm sorry. Roman Reigns has gotten over within the last few months of the accident. Well, not the accidental low blow, but the the low blow that's hidden so well that the referee doesn't see it because he did it to uh, Jay Uso and then he did it to Braun Strowman when they had their last match on SmackDown. But he kicked out and then he low blowed him at the same time. But now Braun Strowman does the same thing. Keith Lee headbutts him in a way and low blows this guy. Um, I don't know, man. It's... it's ugh. I don't know who what you what you can do with with Strowman, but it just I think we were talking about Orton and 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 uh, McIntyre because I think I went off topic again. Yeah. Um. Orton needs this. Orton needs this. Um, if McIntyre wins, it's not only going to hurt Orton's character, but it's going to also destroy his. Because now we're looking at a Super Cena type situation. Yeah. So, um, Orton needs. So I'm gonna go with Orton. Yeah, I, you know, like we were talking earlier, and I, I mentioned it. I, I think Drew McIntyre's title run has been good. I've been entertained by it, but we're at that point now where like something's got to change. This we're at an inflection point now. Something has got to give, and I'm hoping. It's a- is is Samoa Joe retired? I have no I mean, idea. <laughs> because you have the perfect, you know, opponent for McIntyre sitting at the Raw announce booth. Yeah. I, that's what I think. That would be an interesting yeah. program. Yeah, I, you know. Did you think for a second, too, that The Fiend was in charge of retribution just for a split second? Yeah, I'll be honest with you. Because you know what what it was? It wasn't like the timing of like him and, and Alexa Bliss coming out and then like Retribution's music hitting. It was more of the idea that they kept zooming into the Fiend's mask and then all these other guys have masks. Yes, which I think that was a failed opportunity because if he was ahead of Retribution, it would make so much sense. And he would be the ultimate Batman villain at that point. It would make so much sense. They just have to make the guys glow in the dark, like in Batman Two. You would, you would have, you would have. That would make so much sense, man. 
I was I was get, literally getting ready to text you, and then it didn't happen. Oh yeah, I I I enjoyed the promo that they did later in the night, and when Ali was just like he 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 dismissed the whole SmackDown hacker thing like real fast. Yeah, that was me. Yeah, I did that shit, but this is what we're doing now. Like I liked that. That was cool. Yeah, but what happened to Shorty G? Because it was supposed to be him and Shorty G. Oh, I fuck. guess they said <laughs> you got you got the <laughs> the short end of the stick. <laughs> I guess right. Yeah. Um. But my favorite line out of the whole promo is because this company doesn't know how to push or get over a guy's name that is Mustafa Ali. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I, yeah. It was something along like they didn't they didn't know how to make a dollar on his name or some shit, right? Right. 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 Yeah. I loved it. I thought it was great. But I still think that he's the wrong choice. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. I mean, I'm not extremely like over on the guy right now. But I like the direction that they're heading in now compared to, like, the last couple of months. Like, they're finally, they got something going on now. Yeah, but they changed their music again. Oh, they which did? Which I don't, you know, yeah, like, the the music they were playing is, like, really, like, um, hardcore metal. Mm. Somebody screaming in the background, like, almost, like, similar to... Alistair Black's new theme, in a way. Yeah. Um, I just don't. For me, you have to have a clear face and a clear heel. That's the only way that. That's how movies are made. That's how you know. Back in the day, when they used to. It's a quick story here. When I was younger, uh, my grandparents, they would tell me about their days when they were kids and they didn't have television. And they would listen to the radio, and the radio would be their TV, and they would have to use their imagination. So they used to have um, a channel in the 90s where they would play all of the old-time radio programming on this radio station. And they would call me into their room, And it would be late, like they would be asleep, the lights would be off and everything, they would call me into their room, and I would hear it. And it would be Hopalong Cassidy. And like all of these, like old school, like, you know, shows, radio shows, that they, like, I was fascinated as a kid listening to it, and I know they were fascinated, they wanted me to be a part of that. Yeah. And it was always because it was a good guy and a bad guy. And they would end the show and they would say, what's going to happen to Hopalong Cassidy? Tune in tomorrow for the thrilling conclusion of Hopalong Cassidy and the masked invaders or something like that, right? Yeah. So, so with... The Hurt Business and Retribution, there's no face. That was a really good physical match that they had to start off raw. But Retribution loses again. So how am I supposed to be invested in these guys? And they keep losing. How am I supposed to, am I cheering for you? Because you beat, you tried to beat up the Fiend and the Fiend took him, took you guys out by himself. <laughs> Right? So, is Athena a face? I don't know. 
Is the Hurt Business faces? No, because they beat up Titus. And they have a problem, you know, with, with, you know, like, what is it? Like, the week before, like, Ricochet got over on them. Like, what, what is it? I'll tell you this, as far as The Fiend goes, in my book, anybody, if you're fucking Alexa Bliss, you a face. And the thing with <laughs> Alexa Bliss, like, it kind of happened really fast. Don't we have her quote-unquote best friend on this brand now? She doesn't care anymore that she's with Bray Wyatt because she cared a lot when she was on SmackDown. No, we're not supposed to remember that. Okay. And uh, Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith showed up on the episode of Raw with their little pin, and that never happened. This is what happens when Bruce Pritchard gets the book. (laughs) He He has the book. All the stuff is wore off as now has to be original storylines. And we gave him some props maybe a month or so ago. And we said it was really good. But we also said, too, that he's kind of riding the wave of the stuff that Heyman put down. And, you know, here we are. Well, yeah, more so on the Raw thing because Heyman didn't have any of the book on SmackDown. But... Well, SmackDown was very, very bad in comparison to Raw. Exactly. But, I mean, like, since Roman's come back and what they've done with him, and then, like, even the undercard, SmackDown has just gotten, you know, more enjoyable to watch. But the funny thing is, is, like, what we were talking about earlier with the draft, the the rosters are same shows, different rosters, but it's the same roster, if that makes sense. Like, so, that I guess that theoretically means... Raw is going to be better than SmackDown again? I wouldn't have... I wouldn't have left Seth Rollins on Raw. Yeah, and, and move the Mysterios to SmackDown, right? Yes, because uh, they always talk about demographics. You know, Fox is a huge Hispanic demographic. You could have put them easily in a different situation. You could have moved Murphy to Raw. I mean, I'm sorry, Murphy to SmackDown. And you could have had a continuation with their feud, and it could have been ended that way. You could have slowly removed Seth Rollins out of it. Um, but, you know, we're just going to keep doing this, I guess, until the end of the year. Oh, and if you would have done that, imagine this. Imagine, like, a backstage segment. The Mysterio's walking around, or Dominic's walking around, and he bumps into Roman Reigns, you know, and Roman has that big smile on his face. He goes, oh, yeah, you're raised, kid. They have a conversation, and then maybe Dominic says something that Roman don't like. And Roman beats him up, and then they have a match, and just demolishes Dominic. And you build up to Ray's gonna fight for his son's honor, like the other way around. Remember, Dominic fought for Ray's honor on Raw. Ray comes back. We have a big Roman Reigns Ray Mysterio match, and those always fucking work out. You got the big guy and small guy. Right, and I just think like they were really teasing. Uh, on some of the online videos that they had, you know, because sometimes they do these backstage interviews, which never gets any shine on YouTube. And Humberto and Dominic cut a promo, and they were talking about, you know, they could possibly be future tag team champions. Okay. And when they... I remember you were saying you wanted them as a tag team all back. Yeah, and I, you know, when they did that, I said, oh, okay. And then they had the tag team match on Raw. I think they look pretty good with each other. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Dominic is still learning the ropes. Humberto, he can he can go. Um, then you have, uh, what's his name? Um, 
Andrade, like where you know what is what are we doing with him? Yeah, yeah, he went undrafted, he, I believe. Yeah, where did he go? I hope he goes back to NXT. To be honest, I really do. The whole thing is that the company, in terms of booking wise, is total disrepair. The only thing that's good on the entire WWE program, in my opinion, is Reigns and Jey Uso. That's it. That's the must-see for me. Yeah. I agree with you. Um, I think uh, a distant number two is the next match on Hell in a Cell. Bailey and Sasha Banks for the SmackDown Women's Championship. I think that's a distant number two best thing going on right now because of how how long that they've been together. They kind of teased the on and off thing for years. And now we finally got that extreme hard split. We got the face, we got the heel, and they're going to finally duke it out. Um, I'm not that excited about it, and this is why. I think that they waited a little bit too long. And also, too, Sasha Banks as a face never truly ever works out. That character of the boss, she cut better promos as a heel. Her best promos came as a heel, not as a face. Yeah. Um, so her being the victim and grabbing her neck, because some of her, you know, not everyone's a freaking, you know, superstar actor or actress, but some of her acting is kind of like, okay, you're a little bit overboard here. <laughs> I am in my opinion, but I just think uh, stupid dogs in the backyard. I just think that um, it should really just be a different, I mean, I know some people love it and I can't say that I hate it. I think they're going to give an incredible Hell in a Cell match. I think they did everything that you need to do to make this an important situation. I like the, that Bailey said, hey, I just turned on you. You're going to do it on me. I like that whole you know, premise of it. But normally in a feud like this, we don't go to a Hell in a Cell match immediately. So that's the part that is concerning to me because after you do the Hell in a Cell, where else do you have to go? Yeah. Like, let's say Sasha wins. Where else do you go? I, if I was going to give a prediction, um, I'm predicting that Bailey is going to hold on to the belt. I, I can see your point big time about, you know, like their first match after the split is Hell in a Cell, and it's kind of weird to go to that. Um. I see both both sides of the coin. I see that argument. I see that they, you know, they've been built up for a long time. You know, right. best friends going at it, but at the same time, you know, Shawn Michaels and Triple H, they it took how long did it take? Two years after their feud started, two thousand two to two thousand four, been bad blood, and they finally had a Hell in a Cell match. That was two years. The yeah. first one was unsanctioned. They were just like, oh, you guys aren't even getting a match. We're not even getting, a, you know, this isn't even under our regulations. You usually go out there and fight. Mm-hmm. I think that would have made sense. There's too many Hell in a Cell matches already on this. Four matches, three of them Hell in a Cell matches. We only need two. One to open, one to close. They should have had right in the middle of the show, Sasha and Bailey an unsanctioned match, not even the title on the line. Because this isn't about the title. This is about friendship. Right. It's, 
I, I think three Hell in a Cell matches are too much. I think it should just be one for each brand. Um, we're going to get tired of seeing the cell. Yeah. So I, I think from a booking perspective, if I'm trying to book these matches together for Hell in a Cell, one of these matches has to be like almost like a squash in order for it, in my opinion, to you know, have three in Hell in a Cell matches work because, you know, one match is going to be very gimmicky in terms of using different devices and doing things you've never seen inside of the Hell in a Cell. Another one's going to be more brutal, a lot of punches, a lot of slamming into the cell. And then I think the third one needs to be a squash. And I don't know who I would use as a squash situation. Maybe give it to the women. And, you know, they, they always play the story that Sasha's not fully recovered from her neck injury. Maybe that, or maybe, you know, we have McIntyre, Drew McIntyre beat up by Retribution, which would be no one would expect that. You know, Mustafa Ali said he's good at creating chaos. Well, let him beat up the WWE champion. Let that match start to show off. There, he's beat up and he doesn't want to come to the you know he comes to the ring he's going to defend his title because he's a fighting champion and as he's coming out to the ring barely walking then out comes Orton hits an RKO on the freaking ramp before the match starts have the match be about 5-10 minutes you know like do something different so that way if you do something like that okay Orton has the belt now you can have McIntyre, you know, do whatever he can to try to get. It's almost like he didn't lose the belt. You know, you, you protect him. You give Orton new life and put him in a different program for a little bit. That's what I would do. Yeah. But one of them has to be a squash. I'm with you on that. It's just too many. It's way too, it, like I said, two. One to open, one to close, man. I don't need one in the middle. You throw no. something else in the middle. And Sasha and Bailey don't need the hell in a cell. They don't need the title. It's about friendship. It's they not could... about a championship. Right. And it's just, I, I just don't think enough has happened in that storyline to have a hell in a cell match. It's just, I can understand Orton and McIntyre. That's the ultimate whatever. Get it? And I can even understand Jay Uso and Roman Reigns because Roman's saying, listen, I'm going to give, if you accept this challenge, you know, it's not going to be good for you. And this is what we're going to do. And I'm going to teach you a lesson that makes sense. That makes sense. Well, not only that, but like in the previous match, you know, uh, Jimmy came out through the white, white talon. Right. So this one, the only way that, you know, it's going to end is if uh, I quit comes out of Jay's mouth himself. No one else can fucking say it for him. Right. So it makes sense on that. So yeah, yeah. Um, I'm gonna go with uh, I'm gonna go with Bailey on that one too. Sasha needs she needs to chase this a little more. Uh, maybe yeah. by Rumble time, maybe she'll get the belt. I don't know. Well, I just you know these. I'm a three pay per view guy. You know, one, two, three. First match, um, maybe ends in controversy. This makes room for a second match which also ends in controversy. And then you have the third and final match, which you take away all of the tools that the heel has been using 
to get over and win these matches, either ban somebody from ringside or have it in a cage where nobody can get in or do all these things, and then you finish the feud there. That's how it should be booked. And we've had McIntyre literally beat him twice, Orton twice cleanly. Um, the first one was a roll-up. The second one, he threw him in the back of an ambulance. What we're gonna do now in the hell in the cell? Um, yeah, there's there's no like Orton needs, it. and I know I went back, but Orton needs this. But the, yeah, Jay Uso and, and and Roman Reigns. What do you think? Um, I mean, obviously, I had, you know, with all due respect to Jay Uso, he's not designed to win this thing. We all know that. No. I mean, they're 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 building the Roman and the Rock, and if if Roman loses to Jay Uso in a way that the title leaves him, it kills everything. I don't think there is a coming back from that. And like I said before, all due respect to Jey Uso. Roman's got this. It's going to be entertaining. I think he's going to put Jey Uso through more hell, no pun intended, in this match than he did in the last one. This is going to be... I'm looking forward to this big time. I'm, it's going to be entertaining as hell. But Roman Reigns is my pick on that. Yeah, Roman, I think the way that he's going to win the match, because Jey will never say I quit, I think Jimmy will come to the ring again and you know Roman will put him in a because he's really they're really selling that he's injured because last pay-per-view like he had a like a very like noticeable huge limp right mm -hmm. so I think that Roman will do something to Jimmy that will cause Jay to say I quit like he'll say like I'm a, I will break his I will end his career right now I will break his leg off of his body or something Say it. Say it. And then that's little Jay will say it like that. So. And then. How Roman Reigns beat Braun Strowman. My God. That was. That, if that doesn't tell you how much they're invested in this character. I don't know. I don't know what else will. Yeah. It's interesting, man. I tell you, Roman Reigns is a whole different cat than he was a year ago. Whoa, what was that? Hello. Yo, Mac, you there? I think we lost Mac. Hello. Mac, can you hear me? Having some problems there. Oh, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear I Yeah, I was always able to hear you. Oh, okay. Sorry, but it's probably my phone. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, that doesn't tell you, you know, how invested they are. I don't know what will. Yeah. No, I was saying uh, Roman Reigns definitely uh, different uh, not only a year ago, but six months ago. Then again, oh. he wasn't even around six months ago either. But, but yeah, it's different. You know, and they're just doing great things with him. Great things. Um, real quick, though, uh, to everybody out there, you know, Kat was supposed to be part of the uh, the episode with us to give her predictions, but unfortunately her schedule, you know, had a conflict. But she... Uh, uh, relayed to me her predictions. So in case somebody out there is curious as to what Kat would think, um, for Elias and Jeff Hardy, her prediction is uh, Jeff Hardy with Bailey and Sasha Banks. Kat is going with uh, Sasha Banks. She's also choosing Roman Reigns and choosing Drew McIntyre. So she's kind of you know she's uh she's half the card with us. You know she's got Roman. Well, no wait, she picked Drew. So yeah, she only got that one match. So we picked what Elias Bailey, 
Orton and Roman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I just want to get that out there before I forget because I'm a very forgetful guy. <laughs> but, um, Mac, overall, you think uh, Hell in a Cell, you think it's going to be a, a good pay-per-view or do you think it's just one of those, this is just what they're giving us until we can get to Survivor Series kind of thing? Well, if you guys follow the last pay-per-view prediction show we had, I had mentioned a guy by the name of Lars Sullivan. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which everybody probably listened to like, what? Lars, they'll never bring him. And then he, he's here. Yep. And I also stated, too, that that pay-per-view was going to be one of those sleeper pay-per-views that, you know, you don't think is going to be good. And then you watch it and it's great. Unfortunately, I don't think that's what the case is going to be this time. Hmm. I think that um, the pay-per-view will probably have a couple of good moments, but I don't really see anything on the card. Like, we've seen Orton and McIntyre. We've seen Bailey and Sasha Banks many times over the years. Um, Elias and Jeff Hardy really is like a, you know, smackdown match. I don't really, I've never really seen Elias in any pay-per-view caliber matches that I feel like are pay-per-view caliber, not because of his in-ring work, but just because, unfortunately, his feuds are never really built that great. Um, I guess you could say his greatest claim to fame is the match against King Corbin, um, and you don't know if he was going to appear because he had a legitimate injury. Yeah. And uh, I guess that you can argue that, but I just don't. I just don't see, like, we know that Roman Reigns is going to win. Like, we know that. So that's the one thing that you would tune into the pay-per-view to see. And Jay has absolutely no shot. None. So it kind of, what makes pay-per-views good is when you don't know what's going to happen. And I feel like everyone in the country, in the world perhaps, has an idea of what's going to happen more so on this card than on the previous card. So I don't think, unfortunately, is going to be. I think they're going to give it their all. But three Hell in the Cell matches is a lot. That's, that's it's, it's, I don't think it's going to be executed. I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that. Um, Roman and Jay, I think, is like the one match that I'm like extremely looking forward to. Uh, the, the the absolute most, and like I said earlier, I think like a distant number two for me is Bailey and Sasha Banks. But the rest of them, it's just one of those like I just I'm looking forward to seeing how how it ends, see where we go from there. But as far as wanting to watch a match, Roman and Jay has got it. That's the one match right there for me. Yeah, because they just they said they interviewed Jay and they said originally it was just supposed to be a one off. Um. But the match came off so good, they gave them the Hell in a Cell match. So they, they behind the scenes, as a family, they're like, look, we're going to tear the roof off. So mm-hmm. I think they're going to have an incredible match uh, in terms of story. Even more so than the first match they had. And I think it should be very, very interesting on how they book that. But we all know the outcome. It's just how do we get to it? Yeah, exactly. Um, Mac, before we, uh, before we sign off for the week, uh, you have any shout outs, any plugs, any final words, uh, check out www.myworkoutgym.com for all your workout needs. 
you know, it's still unfortunately a pandemic out here. Um, the numbers, unfortunately, are still rising. You know, we try not to be political and try to kind of take you away when you listen to these shows. But in actuality, that is the reality that we're in right now in the world. So a lot of people have been sitting at home or not moving as much as they normally do. They've gained a little weight. <laughs> we're entering the, the holiday season, right? And that's when people tend to eat a whole heck of a lot more food, me included. So why not have something that's the ultimate equalizer? Why not have something at home that you can be able to use on a daily basis? And that thing is at myworkoutgym.com. Check out any type of workout equipment there. It's sweated and tested by the best. And this will definitely help you lose those upcoming holiday packs. My Workout Gym. There you go, ladies and gentlemen, myworkoutgym.com. Mac, thank you so much, man, for uh, joining us this week. I really appreciate it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank everybody out there for tuning in to this episode of the Ring Scoops podcast right here on ringscoops.com, youtube.com slash ringscoops, anchor.fm slash ringscoops. If you would like to follow Ring Scoops on social media, it's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all with the same username, Ring Scoops. And also twitch.ringscoops.com if you want to check out some of the live Twitch feeds. Uh, the streams that we do, it's like Slam and Jam and whatnot. It's good stuff, man. And, uh, of course, prowrestlingtees.com slash ringscoops as well for all your ringscoops merchandise. Prowrestlingtees.com slash ringscoops. That's it for this episode of the Ring Scoops podcast. Thank you all for tuning in. Until next time, I'm that Ring Scoops guy saying thank you, good night, and be cool.